Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Just a sports report. Right now, nearly 9.30 in the morning Australian time. I'm coming off the back of an all-nighter. Yeah, a little bit tired, to say the least. But the UFC Paris, that's what it's all about. That's what we're here for, to talk about today. Uh, So yeah, if I'm a little bit, as you can tell, uh, sleep-deprived, then... Yeah, we'll just have to deal with that if I say any rogue shit. Well, that's why. So UFC Paris started about 2am, so 7 or so hours ago. It's now 9am, and I'm starting to feel the effects of sleepiness. So I'm going to start recording. I may have a little nap in between and then get back to recording. So maybe I'll freshen up a little bit, but I thought why not start now while I'm up. I'm already here, fresh off of the card as well, headlined by Cyril Garn, Taito Avasa, first ever UFC card in France, and boy, it was electric. Loved the crowd, definitely UFC going to be going back to France, and the heavyweight main event was epic, but I'm going to go through the preliminary card first, and then I'll jump on to the main card. So, kicking off the prelim action, first ever UFC fight in France. Stephanie Egger up against Eileen Perez. Stephanie Egger stepping up on short notice. And going into this one, I picked Egger to win by submission. That's exactly how it went down. She was obviously coming off a really awkward and upsetting for her loss, which... Maybe she doesn't even feel like was a loss. That's the vibe I get. So Stephanie Egger, she had that bounce back factor. Aline Perez in the preview, I said that she was a promising athlete. But the vision I'd seen of her, and I said production levels. So that doesn't necessarily change whether a fighter is really good or not. But it just seemed like a big step up, especially when it came to the grappling department Eileen Perez as well made some rookie mistakes of trying to engage in the grappling with Stephanie Egger and Egger just showed her superiority getting the submission win right at the end of the second round. With that Stephanie Egger back in the win column, this in the featherweight division but Egger more of a natural bantamweight and I'm interested to see what's next for her. The loss against Mara Bueno Silva doesn't set her back too much She's instantly come back and rectified that. I honestly wouldn't even mind seeing Mara Bueno Silva and Stephanie Egger again, but I think for now it's best to just let them go their separate ways. Stephanie Egger kicking off the card with a huge win. After that, we had Christian Quinoez up against Khalid Taha. Taha just hasn't been able to find winning form up against Quinoez in his official UFC debut. It was a round one knockout for Christian Quinoez. I picked Christian to win by decision, but I still won some money on the head-to-head there. 
Equinoas at the time of betting was the underdog as well. So underdog cashes from Mexico, Christian Quinoas with the first round knockout over Khalid Taha to immediately announce his intentions in the bantamweight division. Then after that, hometown hero Benoit Saint-Denis, boy did he look good, just seemed to be a level above Gabriel Fly Miranda. And I had Benoit Saint-Denis winning by decision. He ended up getting a round two knockout. Very emphatic finish as well, which really was the point when the crowd started getting fully invested. They were building up toward the main card. And that was about the point they started getting hot. Benoit Saint-Denis capping it off three straight finishes to start the card. And Saint-Denis undefeated as a lightweight. So... There's plenty to like about Benoit Saint-Denis, and we'll have to see what is next for the Frenchman. Then, after that, Faris Ziem made it back-to-back wins for the French, going over Michael Figlak by decision. That was the debut of the Polishman Michael Figlak, who now loses the O on his record, goes to 8-1, with this decision loss up against Faris Ziem who looked the better of the two most definitely. Going into this one, I picked Michael Figlak by decision. So a little bit disappointed, but I definitely wasn't discrediting Faris Ziam, who looked really, really good. I'd have to say most probably in the top one or two of his best UFC performances. Makes sense as well, because he was fighting in front of his home crowd. Faris Ziam making the French go up 2-0 2-0 to start this card. Then in the lightweight division, John Macdessy, Nasrat Hakparast. It was a pretty close contest to be honest. Macdessy actually led on the significant strikes, but Nasrat Hakparast hit two of his three takedown attempts, and he really just took the edge in that way. His striking was also a little bit heavier, and look, I thought it was a pretty close fight, but Nasrat Hakparast... Younger fighter by about 10 years, and we know well over half, there is a large percentage of times when a fighter going up against an older veteran with about a 10-year age gap, usually 9 times out of 10 or some shit like that, the younger fighter wins. That was the case again here with Nasrat Hakparast, who regained some momentum in the lightweight division, and he's been matched up with some stars like Bobby Green, and Dan Hooker. So for Nasrat, he can now position himself to start working back toward some of the most relevant names in the 155-pound division. Then, let me have a quick squiz. What was after that? Our featured prelim. Boy, did this turn some heads. This was the moment of the prelims, no doubt. Featured prelim, Dustin Stoltzfus, coming off his first UFC win, in Long Island, or on Long Island rather, up against Abus Magomedov. There had been hype around him. He took a while as well, some bouts scratched. He finally gets his opportunity. Round one knockout, 19 seconds was all it took. Abus Magomedov, serious power in those hands, did not seem phased by the big moment as well. Spotlight position in the featured prelim bout, 19 second knockout. Abus Magomedov, he is most definitely something very special. And fans of the UFC now, 
are going to be taking keen notice because that win has most certainly piqued interest across the mixed martial arts community. English, we're getting there. I am still awake. I think so. Hopefully. That that would be something else if, like, it was a two-hour podcast, maybe, like, 40 minutes of me just literally sleeping and then wake up, continue. But anyway, I don't want to put you to sleep as well. So, featured prelim, well, the only person who was put to sleep in that spotlight position was Dustin Stoltzfus, Avis Magomedov. Well, we have a serious prospect on our hands. That then led us into the main card, opened up by Charles Jourdain, Nathaniel Wood. I had Jourdain winning by knockout, but I'm a huge fan of Nathaniel Wood. I said win, lose, or draw. I thought that Wood looked his best at featherweight, and I really think this guy could kick on to special things. For Charles Jourdain, this decision loss really, like, I don't know. He just, he was out outmatched. I don't know exactly what it was. It was just a case of Nathaniel Wood being the better man on the night. But Charles Jourdain, he, he tried to throw what he could, 86 significant strikes, but Nathaniel Wood's takedowns, I know the fans were booing it, wasn't the most necessarily exciting thing to see, but Nathaniel Wood clearly saw that he could exploit the takedown defense of Charles Jourdain. Five of eight takedowns landed for Nathaniel, the prospect Wood, and the London fighter comes away with the biggest win of his career and now looks to set himself most likely for an opponent in the top 15 or otherwise someone floating just outside the rankings. Let's not forget how stacked the featherweight division is. Nathaniel Wood adding his name to the mix, getting the win over the French-Canadian Charles Jourdain. Then, after that, two UFC fighters on debut. From the Netherlands, you had Jano Ahrens. And from France, MMA Factory, working alongside Nasadina Mavov, Fernand Lopez, and of course, Cyril Garn, William Gomez, a young featherweight, makes his UFC debut in his home nation of France. And boy, the fans were behind him. He was confident, and he picked up the decision win over Jano Ahrens. There was a point though, right toward the end, where Ahrens had its submission lock really locked in. William Gomez just fought out of it, but there definitely, if you didn't see the fight, right toward the end, Ahrens nearly got him. But William Gomez had what it took to get out, and not a huge amount of striking output. William Gomez, he focused more on his grappling and his ground game, Three of five takedowns landed for William Gomez. He had more significant strikes. And in the end, the judges, they had to go with William Gomez. He nearly got got right at the end of that fight. But he wanted that win so bad. Managed to get out of the submission attempt. And William Gomez won and zero inside the UFC. Coming off that fight and a night where so far many of the French fighters except for the French-Canadian Charles Jourdain, managing to have huge moments. That led us in to a middleweight contest that I wasn't super interested in, to be honest, as we had two guys, neither in breathtaking form, so they're pretty high up on a decent card, um, respectfully, of course, but 
I just wasn't that excited. It was Alessio Desherico up against Roman Kopilov. The fight itself was entertaining, no doubt. I thought deserved the main card placement. But for Desherico, well, that's another loss. His UFC tenure now littered with them. And other than a big knockout win over Joaquin Buckley, well, it's pretty much just been a really bad losing run for Alessio Desherico. Cops another loss here, this time by knockout, which he was knocked out in 17 seconds in his bout prior to this one. And Roman Kopilov getting the third round knockout win. And yeah, like I'm interested to see what's next for both guys. But to be honest, I wasn't paying my full attention to this bout. As I said, interest levels weren't super high. I did an all-nighter, so I'd been up, hadn't slept, and seen a lot of fights up to this point. I'd watched a lot of fights, and this was kind of the one where my attention span just took a break. So, big win for Roman Kopilov, first victory inside the UFC, and for Alessio Desherico, well, we'll just have to wait and see what is next for him. Then after that, we had a middleweight bout that did pique my interest. Was really keen to see how Nasadine Amavov went. Obviously a French representative, trains at MMA Factory with the likes of William Gomez and Cyril Garn as well. I picked Nasadine Amavov to win by knockout. He won by decision, but it was an interesting bout. It wasn't the fight of the night by any stretch of the imagination. Significant strike numbers were pretty even. But what I thought gave Nasadine the edge was that he landed two takedowns and he had just enough control. So it wasn't a win that set the world on fire, but the French crowd were hot for it. Joaquin Buckley is no easy assignment as well. Really tough test for Nasadine. He's passed it. And you'd have to say, most likely a top 10 opponent next at 185 pounds. So big win for Nasadine Imavov. And it was back-to-back-to-back middleweight contests. The two middleweight fights before, leading us in to a big middleweight clash in the co-main event between the very clear next-best contenders in the division. Two of them, both of them, sorry, fucking hell, no sleep, we'll do that to a man. Uh, Both of them have lost twice to Israel Adesanya. And it's interesting, Robert Whittaker... He said after this, he ends up winning by decision. Pretty much every prediction I saw, including my own, was for that to happen. So no real surprises there, but Whitaker looked awesome. He was streets ahead of Vittori. His grand game was exceptional. His strikes were way above average, and Marvin Vittori's much closer to average. So Robert Whitaker, oh, sorry, just got a text was from my work as well. They're like, hey, tomorrow, can you close the store? Um, no. No, how about no? Sorry. Sorry to anyone from my work who are listening. Or Uh, no. Anyway, co-main event. Yes to this co-main event. Robert Whittaker looked tremendous. And he said he's just going to be sticking around. He's going to keep winning. And eventually, well, it's going to be undeniable if he keeps performing like that to give him another shot at the belt. So Rob Whitaker, that was a huge victory for him. And I'm really intrigued as to who they match him up with next. I'd say there are a lot of potential contenders. Give him someone in the top 10 
Closer to the top five that we haven't seen before, Nasadin Amavov, who won in the fight prior, probably just a little bit too far away in the rankings. I tell you what, I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna pull up the rankings right now. Okay. Whitaker is obviously first. Um well we've seen Sean Strickland dropped out of his announced bout. Derek Brunson's in fourth, faced him. Uh, Alex Pereira, obviously, uh, fighting for the belt. Paolo Costa. I, I guess that seems to make the most sense. That that one jumps right out at me. So that could definitely be what's next. Paolo Costa, Robert Whittaker. I'd, I'd love to see that fight as well. So that that's an interesting one. Obviously, it's hard to tell exactly what's next for Robert Whittaker because... He's still a couple more wins and big ones away from being able to enter a title shot conversation again. I think Dana White's going to make him take the longer road. With If Izzy keeps the belt, we've already seen Rob versus Izzy twice. Izzy won both times. But if Pereira wins the belt, well, that could truly shake things up at 185. Robert Whittaker getting a big win in the co-main event. And then in our main event, I had to stay up for this one. This was the reason I stayed up all night. Tai Bam Bam Tuavasa up against Cyril Bongaman Gan. And Tuavasa, what a show. Gan ends up getting the third round knockout, but that was my fight of the night. Just an incredible display from both men. But Cyril Gan, way ahead on the striking numbers, which kind of seemed to be his plan going in. And it was his body shots. That was really what started to bring Tai Tuivasa towards his end. A lot of repeated shots to the body. But there was a point where Tuivasa dropped Cyril Garn really close to knocking him out. And you could see with the urgency from Garn as he tried to get up. You could see he knew he was about to be finished. And Tuivasa, what a show. He performed so well. Rocked a man that has never been rocked in the UFC. Let's remember Cyril Garn took on Francis Ngannou last time out. And Garn, he's still yet to be rocked in the UFC. Well, that is no longer. Taito Avasa really scared him there. Really close to getting the finish. So proud to see Tuavasa do so well. But in the end, Cyril Garn gets the knockout finish. Very, very impressive stuff. And I've said for the longest time that I think the winner of this should face Curtis Blades in like a number one contenders match. I still think if they do go for John Jones, Stipe Miocic, that I was thinking about it though. Like now, Francis Ngannou probably pretty close to returning. We haven't seen Stipe since that loss to Francis. He's really taken his time to get back in there. John Jones has been out for an eternity. You never, I'm not confident he's going to fight. Even when it's signed, I won't be confident until I actually see him making the walk. So this is just to get those two in the octagon, most likely against each other. But then for the winner of that, how long are we going to have to wait before they challenge for the title? So funnily enough, I thought for the longest time it should be Cyril Garn and Curtis Blades, that that was the fight to make. But now, with all the timeline things being considered, Cyril Garn, I think he gets the title shot. 
I think he does deserve the title shot again. The only other person I would say who could come into immediate consideration would be Curtis Blades. And another option, if Stipe or John Jones aren't ready to fight each other, well, whoever's ready out of those two, let's say, for example, Stipe is ready to go, maybe they run John Jones, oh, not John Jones, fucking hell, <clears throat> sleep deprivation, sorry. Uh, maybe they run, like, Nganu up against Stipe for the third time, and that would leave Cyril and Curtis Blades to fight each other. But Cyril Garn, like, He's the very clear number one contender. And I think if Nganu's ready to fight and they want to do it early next year, Stipe, John Jones, if they have a bout announced for the end of this year, then that would rule them out. Unless they see what's happening here and they make the move for the immediate title shot. But the heavyweight division and the landscape, very interesting. If Tom Aspinall was fit and had have beaten Curtis Blades, well, all of a sudden, he may very well have been in contention to fight Nganu. So really unsure exactly which way it's going to go. But to be honest, after this card, I think Cyril Garn is in pole position. I think he's the most likely to get the next title shot. Given everyone's timelines, Nganu about to be fit to return. So maybe early next year, Nganu's ready to go. Cyril Garn, that gives him plenty of time to prepare. We're going to have to wait and see, but very interesting times in the heavyweight division. And I'm excited to see how Taito Avasa fares in all of this. It was a huge step up in competition for him. And now he's in the rankings. He's going to get a chance to fight again. And he will go back and regroup. And we'll have learned some lessons up against who many people believe to be the best heavyweight on the planet now. He's in the peak form of his career. Cyril Garn getting the win. And how good were the French crowd? They really did turn it up. The atmosphere for the fight was unreal. Even though they were going for Garn, and I was obviously going for Tuavasa, Cyril Garn, you just can't hate the guy. I, I don't know. I know Junior Dos Santos came out and was making comments about potential illegal strikes. But that's the only hate I've seen of Cyril Garn. And look, like the French crowd were hot and I love French people. But I've met like some French guys that I'm like, you're a fucking dickhead. And like, you know, it wouldn't be crazy for me to be like, ah, oh, fuck this French guy. Not in a racial way, sorry, if you're French or you're taking offense. But I could be like, you know, fuck this big French douchebag. But he's just like, such a good dude, seemingly. Every interview you hear him talk, Cyril Gunn is the most likable dude. So it was interesting, the last two fights for Tuavasa, because obviously I'm going to go for Ty. But Cyril Gunn and before that, Derek Lewis, two fighters that I have nothing but admiration for. So it was really cool to see Cyril Gunn have that moment. And also for France and French mixed martial arts to have that moment that unreal main event, first card in Paris, the crowd delivered, the fighters delivered, and the UFC as a whole, I think with this card delivered. It's made Cyril Gunn an even bigger star than he already was, and it reminded me to Tom Aspinall in March this year, when he beat Alex Volkov in the main event, and just the scenes afterwards of everyone going crazy for Tommy Aspinall, 
I think similar deal here in France, and I'm loving seeing the UFC bringing events back internationally. Gives me a lot of hope and a lot of excitement that we'll see them here in Australia soon. There's talk about Sweden, which I'm like, fuck yeah, UFC Sweden, going back to Sweden, that'll be grass. And I just, I like these international cards a lot. The Apex ones are fun, and even the fight nights um, in America have been a lot of fun. But there is something really cool when they go to an England or a France, and they highlight fighters from those regions, like in England, a lot of English fighters, you'd get the odd Irish, Scottish, like a Paul Craig, Welsh, like Jack Shaw. And then on this Paris card, you had a lot of German representatives, a lot of Italians, French, and I just like the flavor. I think it's a lot of fun. The crowd get into it. And they usually put together some fun matches. Got to see a lot of debutants tonight as well. So I'm always down for throwing some new names into the mix. Overall, pretty happy with how UFC Paris went. And yeah, I've covered the whole card, haven't I? Kind of just zoomed through that. Obviously, the most important part, tied to Ivasa and Cyril Ghan stealing the show in the main event. Now, that was my Not Just a Sports Report fight of the night, and I've given out some other performance highlights, kind of like a performance bonus, except I don't give the fighters money. I mean, you know, I, I don't have the money to give. I'd say, hey, they should give me money, but we know Dana White doesn't give them too much money. They've got to pay their corner. They've got to pay tax. So I think we'll just call it even. But for the performance highlights, going through my favorite finishes of the night, uh, looking at a top prospect, one to watch, a few other things. So all those performance bonuses going up now. Smack bang in the middle of the fucking interwebs. So on our Instagram, at not just a sports report, if you want to see my favorite finishes, things like that, well, check it out. At not just a sports report over on Instagram, going through the highlights of this UFC Paris card. And with that being said, those are my thoughts and comments for UFC Paris. Stayed up all night, pretty scattered to be fair, but it was worth it. I had to stay up for the main event. It just doesn't feel the same waking up and watching a replay. That is my work calling. I'm not. No. 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 I'll leave you guys with that. Thank you. Good night.